This is Eric Likes Animals, and today we're going to be talking about a species that scientists actually believed was a dinosaur living in the modern era. Let's go. Welcome back to Eric Likes Animals. I'm your host, Eric Mahan. I hope you're all doing well out there, staying safe, staying healthy, all that good stuff. I know the last week has been a little, well, unprecedented, let's just say. However, that word kind of lost all meaning, it feels like, within the last two years. But in case you haven't heard it enough, make sure you take some time for yourself. You know, go for a hike, water some plants, uh, whatever makes you happy. Maybe even listen to some podcasts, maybe this podcast. Probably not this podcast, but, you know, whatever is something that can help you relax and kind of decompress and kind of just get away from the world for a little bit, let's just say. Um, Definitely take some time and do that because as we've learned in the last couple years, mental health is just as important as any other aspects of health. So take care of yourself. And just in case it is this podcast that helps you relax, I might as well get right into it and stop holding you guys up. Because today's species is a very unique one. It is unlike any found on this earth. It is so unique that scientists were so baffled and so convinced at one point that it was actually a extinct dinosaur rediscovered in the modern era. And this modern day dinosaur is a bird called the Watson. Quick side note, I definitely did not just say the name Watson, Sherlock Holmes' partner. I am saying Watson. It does sound a lot like Watson, and I did double check the pronunciation, especially because I suck at English grammar, all that sort of stuff. Um, But it is spelled, in case you want to use the Google machine after this, H-O-A-T-Z-I-N, and pronounced Watson. But enough about grammar, because I always failed that subject in school. On to the species, the Watson bird. The Watson lives in the mangrove swamps of the Amazon rainforest. It's quite a large bird at 2.2 pounds. It's also considered a fairly dumpy bird. Its head is too small for its body. It has a orange mohawk, blue facial skin, a brown body, and actually a pretty stubby looking bill to it, which we'll get into in a little bit. The call of the Watson is to describe a parrot that has been smoking cartons of cigarettes for years and has a very loud, very squawky, but also a very disturbing kind of call to it. That's how a lot of people will describe it. And trust me, there are plenty of very loud YouTube clips out there of these guys squawking about. Check it out. Okay, yeah. So they look a little weird, but nothing that really jumps out as dinosaur versus modern day bird, right? Well, I'm getting into that. For you see, the Watson, also being in the swamp mangrove area, builds their nests above the water. They will lay about two to three eggs and the chicks will hatch. Here's where it gets interesting. The chicks are pretty mobile right off the bat. And they have a very unique method in dealing with predators. Now, there's a lot of different predators in the Amazon, as you can imagine. Birds of prey, ocelot, jaguar, 
big snakes and even possibly some primates as well. Capuchins, they can be pretty aggressive and they will go after delicious meat every once in a while. But whenever these chicks sense a predator nearby, they actually will dive bomb into the water. And don't worry, they're great swimmers. But that's not the unique thing. There's a ton of babies that are great swimmers when it comes to birds. The unique thing is what happens once the predator leaves. Where you see, these little chicks actually have two claws on both of their wings. These claws are found around where the first and second digit would kind of be on a hand, but on the wing. And they will use these claws to actually climb themselves back into their nest once it is safe. And it's for this unique reason that scientists actually thought that the Watson was the modern day Archaeopteryx, which was the first real dinosaur a lot of people saw that had kind of the feathers and the real big indication that led to the whole dinosaur bird connection for a lot of people. I mean, there was a lot of bone structures and it was theorized for years, but when they found kind of the first Archaeopteryx and some of the other fossils is really what gained a lot of momentum of, yes, dinosaurs did have feathers. So they thought, okay, here's a bird. It has kind of these claw things. It kind of looks a little dinosaur-y as well. Maybe this is a direct link right to the Archaeopteryx. And that didn't last very long because once scientists looked at other modern day birds, they realized that It not that unique. There's actually a ton of birds that do have the claws on their wings as well. Not always through their entire life, but it's present. Not all of them use it either. Um, Three birds right off the bat that do have claws that scientists didn't know right off the bat. Chickens, ducks, ostriches. That's right. A chicken has little claws on the wing. Kind of creepy. But anyway, the Watson... Not so unique in that aspect. However, kind of a little more unique that they actually do stuff with it. Most of the birds that do have indications of little claws, they're not really active. There's a couple that also use them for climbing purposes, but still pretty unique. Now, the Hoatzin is one of the birds that don't actually keep their claws their entire life. About 70 to 100 days after hatching, the claws will disappear. And that's because uh, it was really just for helping them climb out of the water and get back up into the nest. After about 70 to 100 days, they normally have a little more muscle development and are a little, I mean, in Watson standards, better at climbing trees. Like I said, these guys are a little dumpy, as uh, people put it. Um, But after 70 to 100 days, they lose the claws and We'll just have to simply jump back into the trees if they ever have to jump out trying to escape from predators. But they still have a good ability to swim. So that's still one of their main methods of kind of just jumping out of the trees because they're not really the strongest of flyers. And the reason why these birds can't fly very well is because of the unique trait that these birds have that no other bird does and is what actually makes these guys so unique. And that is that these guys are what are considered for gut fermenters. And it is a process that helps digest plant material before it ever hits the stomach. It's almost like they have a pre-stomach. And if all of a sudden you're thinking to yourself, wait a second, isn't that sort of like how cows digest their foods? And you're right. These guys are actually sometimes nicknamed flying cows because of this unique 
foregut fermenting process. Now, it's unique amongst birds, but obviously not so much with the cow because a lot of different hoofstock mammals obviously use foregut fermenting processes to digest their foods because most of the time they're eating a lot of grasses and leaves. And that is actually the main purpose of foregut fermentation is the process is that that plant material is very tough. It's very hard to get all the usable nutrients out of it. So the plant material normally goes into a chamber before it goes into the stomach itself, kind of a pre-stomach area that is normally full of hundreds of bacteria to kind of help break down and ferment the plant material and make it a lot softer and more digestible before it hits the stomach. And in this case, the Watson uses its crop. Now, crops are also not unique when it comes to birds. A lot of birds use crops. Crops are kind of a chamber right after the esophagus that almost acts like the teeth for a bird. For example, a chicken will eat a little bit of grit. That grit gets stored inside the crop so that when chickens are eating the food, there is still something that kind of helps grind up the food a little bit, such as how our teeth work before it actually enters the stomach. And that just helps out with digestion. Now for the Watson, their crop is full of hundreds of bacteria and act as a pre-stomach like a cow. And it will actually ferment the leaves within the crop. Whereas the chicken grinds it with grit, the Watson grinds it with bacteria. Um, also, the crop needs to be much larger to kind of hold all the bacteria that's in there, just like how cow stomachs are really big. And because of the fermenting process, there's obviously lots of gases and all that sort of stuff. So it needs to be fairly large to kind of hold in all that sort of stuff. Also, the esophagus has also been sort of increased when it comes to the Watson compared to other birds to kind of help out with that fermentation process as well. The whole process normally takes about 45 hours to go through the entire digestive tract. And during that time, they are quite sluggish because basically they are making their own homebrew of leaves and whatever other plant material they have sitting in their crop and fermenting away which is very similar to a lot of other kind of outlier species as well. Uh, sloths, howler monkeys, and koalas also are foregut fermenters as well. And one of the reasons why they are also very sluggish during certain parts of the day due to them eating kind of all the leaves and then really there's nothing left for them to do except for basically sleeping it off. Same as the Watson. Fortunately for the Watson, it has a side effect that doesn't seem to be quite as present as the other ones. And that is because the Watson has bad breath. All that bacteria sitting in that stomach. Yeah, not really made for good smelling birds. They are also sometimes referred to as stink birds or skunk birds. But the closest thing that people say that they smell like is a giant pile of cow shit which probably helps out with predators a lot since, well, who wants to eat a giant pile of cow shit? Definitely not people. Most people in the region definitely don't go after these birds because of the bad smell. And also apparently they have a really terrible taste, which is great for them since they are not the best flyers. And they're quite clumsy and dumpy, as most people say, since they're basically a bird with a giant gas bubble inside of them. Now, the reason why they're not as great of flyers is because of the trade-off of the whole foregut fermenting. 
The reason being is that they had to kind of make room for the enlarged crop and the enlarged esophagus, and they had to kind of, quote unquote, take away from the sternum. The sternum is much smaller in the species of bird to make room for it, and the sternum is very important for bird species because that kind of gives it the structure for its main flight muscles on its kind of chest area. And with a smaller sternum, smaller flight muscles. And because of that, they're not really the best of flyers. In fact, it's normally a couple weeks after the chick leaves the nest that it takes its first flight. Now, when they've noticed sibling rearing involved, a lot of times that first flight will happen beforehand. Now, what sibling rearing with these guys looks like is that a lot of times the chicks from the previous years will hang around and actually help raise their younger brothers and sisters with their mom and dad teaching them things like how to use their stubby bill to get the safe plant material that is found around their environment. Because for these stinky punk rock looking birds, it takes a village to teach them how to survive in such a crazy world being such a crazy bird. A bird that has baffled scientists ever since it was first discovered to a point where they have no idea where to actually put it in terms of categories. Even with DNA sequencing, they can't figure it out. Once it was believed that they were with Turacos and Toucans, other times they were believed to be in the turkey group, but like most animals that don't really fit any sort of group, it stands alone in its own, and that's just a little bit of information on this crazy bird, the Hawatson. And that's our show for the day. I hope you guys enjoyed hearing about the Watson bird. I certainly enjoyed telling it. Hopefully you enjoyed listening to it. A couple of updates on the podcast stuff. I do officially have a Facebook page now. Woo! Uh, it's just Eric Likes Animals. Um, it should have the same picture as uh, the podcast uh, pictures I have. So you'll know that you're in the right page. Not that I think there's too many Eric Like Animals pages out there anyway besides my own. The Facebook page is a great way to reach out, ask questions, or tell me if you like it, tell me you don't like it. Also, I post articles that I use to kind of help build what I wanted to talk about within the podcast. And there's definitely a lot more information out there that I can squeeze into the podcast. So I always try and post more information if anybody is interested. Besides that, I also uh, always try and look at any sort of reviews at any of the directories that the podcast is on, which is currently just Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I might look into some others soon, and I'll keep you updated on that. But please leave a review, become a listener, all that sort of stuff, because that just helps uh, me know exactly what I'm doing right and what I'm not doing right <laughs> so far. But besides all that, if you don't really want to do that or don't want to really do anything with Facebook. I also have a Gmail account at ericlikesanimals at gmail.com that you can simply just email me there if you have any questions or any sort of views or just email me hi and I'll try to get back to you as soon as possible. But besides all that, thank you guys for listening so much. See ya.